everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Tight Beam, and a very special episode of The Tight Beam, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to introduce my hosts. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Fred and Andrea. Andrea, how are you? I am doing fantastic, um, but very sad because there's two episodes left, and that means that the end is near, and bittersweet, for sure. Yeah. Can I can I just say, I saw your Instagram video yesterday, and um, it's very cute, but also, I mean this in the nicest way possible, there's something inside you, and it's moving. <laughs> yep. Trust I me. forgot that happens, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, my it's stomach. It's cat. It, it's really interesting because my like it's kind of like the sensation when you're really hungry and your stomach wants to growl <laughs> but it's not just a growl it's also the movements it's with the whole, growl it's a whole being yeah so it's i i i think that's one of the biggest things i'm gonna miss when she's born just the feeling of her moving um because it's so cool super exciting and she loves to kick MJ in the face when MJ's <laughs> playing on top of her. So, well, I mean, I feel like MJ gets bullied a lot. So it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. We were bullying her in our last episode or one of our previous episodes. Fat shaming her. <laughs> <laughs> and Fred, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. We're coming down to the wire. I think, uh, you know, new baby will be here in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be game changing. Mm-hmm. He sends me every single morning now, like a countdown. It's like 35 days left. <laughs> or less. Or less. Listen, somebody's got to keep count. Exactly. I can't, I can't remember anything anymore. <laughs> Some of us are brain dead now. We got to have other people <laughs> yeah. to, to keep track of things for us. Uh, yep. Absolutely. And how are you doing, Shannon? Yeah, you know, I'm tired. Uh, the dream? What? Living the dream. Always. Hey, that's the phrase of my people. Live in the dream. In, in the absolute deadest way possible. Um, I mean, the holidays are almost, we're almost through Christmas. Get through Christmas, everything's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be great. We hired more people at work. So work is going to be a lot better. I have my first I have my first scheduled Saturday off since October. I'm not counting Christmas. I do have Christmas off, but that's because my store is closed and I'm going to be doing stuff. But in two weeks, she gave me off on Saturday and I am over the moon. So, you know, things are onwards and upwards uh, on, on this end. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't tell you, I have like 17 days off in a row and... Wow. <laughs> then I go back to work for a couple of weeks and then I'm off on the due date for another two weeks. Well, yeah, but you're technically not going to be off. Yeah, but I won't be at work. Yeah, okay. And well, you know what else? What? When I am at work, I'm not even dealing with customers. So. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> wow. Just keep telling me how much better your life is than mine. In front you know of what else? People. What? I don't have to pour coffee for anyone other than myself. And you know what, Shannon? We still love you. <laughs> Let's just... Yeah, I'm really feeling the love here. Uh, what this, so, so the title of today's episode is Apt. <laughs> I don't think I'm the drama. Am I the drama? Um, I'm the drama now, apparently. <laughs> Maybe I am. Uh, so today's episode, first of all, I just want to congratulate ourselves for getting here. Guys, we've made it. It's episode 69. Oh, yeah. Wow. We, so nice. <laughs> nice. Well, it's still a milestone. And it means that our next episode is going to be like 70, which is pretty yeah. exciting. So, like, pretty big deal. I think we can have some fun with this one. 69. Yeah. And honestly, like, what a time to, like, have this like i don't know if you guys saw but yesterday they tweeted a video of sheree agdashalu giving a tour of the rasinante yeah um <laughs> her face when she got to like the quarters section of the tour and she goes 
this is Holden and Naomi's private quarters. I was like, <laughs> what is that? And then she got in their bed and I was like, ma'am, they bone there. <laughs> Hendrix agrees. Don't jump. I don't, I don't want your claws in my legs. Sorry, the cat's here. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to congratulate everyone to making it to this incredible milestone. Um, you're all doing amazing. We've made it so far. Made it so far. Yeah. Living the dream. Into the empty. Um, yeah. All right. So, Let's how about we talk jump. about why we fight Andrea? Because we're fighting all the time. I mean, we, we are the for drama. many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I am the drama. <laughs> all right. So, why we fight. So, there's no real research needed for this one. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, this episode examines why some characters fight or question what they're fighting for. Um, Amos and Bobby, Naomi and Drummer, the Free Navy. Um, Amos questioning Holden um, after the revelation that he allowed Marco to survive. Um, and many other characters, they are trying to figure out where they stand and if it's worth the fight. So this episode is written by Daniel Abram and Ty Frank, uh, and it's directed by Anya Adams. In brief, a Martian strike team attacks Medina, only to find out just what the Free Navy has been up to in the ring space. Marco struggles with warning popularity or waning popularity, sorry, as Philip learns a devastating truth. Amos questions his place on the Rosinante. Avasarella seeks a way to win the war. Drummer brings needed relief to series. Holden and Naomi learn what's going on with the rings, but get caught up in the middle of war negotiations. The dogs bring Kara a gift. Uh, the new title sequence continues to amaze. Be sure to watch every intro as they change episode to episode. Yeah, this is supposed to be read by Shannon, so go ahead and take it away. It's fine. I mean, I don't know if the listeners heard ah, me struggling with this wild beast who decided he was going to knock my microphone over. Um, so uh, I don't know if I, I forget if I mentioned this in the previous notes, but the biggest changes and things I noticed, sorry, the cat is sticking his wet nose right in my face. Um, you can see that something has mounted to the ring station as the episodes have progressed. It's gotten more and more built. And obviously in this episode, you know what that thing, you finally know what that thing is. Um, if you look at the, the bit <laughs> in the rocks where you see all the rocks flying around, you can see like the drive plumes built into them. Um, and there's like red in the Laconia ring in the bit where Holden is um, floating in, in space. Sir, can you just, sorry, let me just get rid of this kit. Oh, oh God. Okay. No murder. So, so that's, that's what you, that's what you missed on Glee. What? It's a, it's a joke. <laughs> so yeah. So, when it comes to the episode breakdown, we'll start with the ring space. So, Carino leads the Martian strike team in an attack on the ring. They take out the sentry ships and realize something is wrong as soon as they cross into the ring space. Their ships are taken out one by one by something mounted on the station until Carino's ship is also destroyed. So this one's pretty self-explanatory. There's not a lot, a lot going on, um, but we do see that um, the one MCRN ship that decided to leave series after the things weren't going the way that they wanted to go, um, decides to go off on their own and try to explore the ring space um, solo. Yeah, they wanted to, uh, they did their whole little well, if Earth's not going to help us fight Medina, we're going to do it ourselves. And then exactly. obviously that didn't uh, didn't go so well for them. Nope. <laughs> Maybe they should have listened to Avasarala after all and have and not gone because, you know, they got to feel the wrath of uh, Marco's surprise. Yep, they, they really got ambushed. It just feels like they go so headlong into the battle. Like, they don't even stop to think. They're just so itching for a fight. They just stick their nose in it and get mm -hmm. 
well, obviously their ass is kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Not just kicked, like obliterated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say, like, it's kind of devastate, like, not devastating, but like the the impact of like Karina trying to give the order to evade, but before she can even get the order out, they get shot down. Like that's that's a lot, fam. The only positive that we get out of this is the identification of a threat within the ring space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But the cost for that was way too high. Yep. All right. So if there's anything, if there's not anything else that we need to discuss about the ring space, again, it was pretty self-explanatory. I always love any form of fight, any form of ship action. Um, So that was pretty awesome. But it's kind of sad to see her die because she was part of other seasons. Um, Mm -hmm. Then we can move to the Pella. Sure. Love talking about the Pella. (laughs) I know you do. Marco is frustrated. Sorry, I don't know if you guys know this, but apparently his name is Marcos now. Yeah, Just kidding. Marcos. Um, Marco is frustrated about waning support of the Free Navy as Iapeta Station ejects the Free Navy and declares neutrality. He knows that once one station breaks, more will feel empowered to do so and blames Drummer. Rosenfeld thanks reminds him to think of the bigger picture and focus on getting to Medina so they can control the ring space and the colonies as planned. When they learn of the MCRN's failed attack on the ring, Rosenfeld releases some of the brandy from Ceres so the crew can celebrate. When Philip reports for his shift, he sees Tadeo has been replaced. He finds him in the brig, where he was locked up for breaking radio silence to find news of his brother. As Marco strategizes for battle against the inner fleet, he and Rosenfeld talk about fatherhood and how Marco feels he hasn't influenced Philip as much as he'd hoped. She shows him Philip's speech in the galley. Philip uses his privileges to reach out to Ceres for Tadeo. He tells him that his brother died in the explosions on Ceres. In his grief, Tadeo reveals that the Free Navy had planted the bombs and that he never thought any belters would be hurt, only inners. Philip is horrified as he comforts him. Yeah, I think that this was um, a big one for, um, for Philip, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, he already was hesitant about, you know, leaving Ceres in the first place. He already thought they were abandoning their people. He already felt that, you know, they leaving them with no supplies was like, was was horrible of them. And now he's learning that not only did they take all those supplies from them and leave them to to die, basically, using them as a tool, but now he's learning that Marco... Like, basically, because Marco had to have known that Belters were going to get hurt, even if... I'm sorry, Fred's distracting me with, like, emojis <laughs> in the in the chat. But anyway, um, now he's learning that Marco not only thinks so little of these Belters that he's willing to possibly let them starve, die of, you know, thirst, or run out of air, he's also willing to, you know, leave them as collateral damage in a, like, in a bomb trap for the inners and obviously that's gonna shake philip because it's one thing to kill inners yeah it's another thing to kill their own people willingly because there's no way that marco didn't think like it's one thing for tadeo to think i was told that if we did this because we had them all hidden in one part of the station that if they stayed there they would be safe marco had to have known that wasn't going to happen like he had to have known so obviously he knew that belters were going to be killed in in the crossfire and so philip is like shocked that not only did they abandon their people after claiming that they were going to make them the jewel of the belt they're now killing their own people yeah just to get to inners and so this is like i mean i don't know how many strikes against marco this has to be by now for philip but he's seen him abandon his people He's seen him go after the Rasinante and end up getting some of their people killed. He's now seen him literally kill their own people. Blow up his people. Yep, just to just to maybe kill some inners. Like it's it's not Philip is quick like he was already losing faith in his father, but like he is quickly losing whatever faith he had left yeah. for his father. 
Well, and the idea, like, he's losing the faith that his dad had the good intentions of the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like that, and it's taken some time. It's taken blood on his hands to realize yeah. that, which is the most problematic thing, because in the end, how does he live with himself with all that illusion just falling in front of him? Mm-hmm. Um, it was really powerful moment when he is... Um, when Philip is talking to Tadeo and he breaks down, like you understand the severity of what has happened. Yeah, the oh, Josiah really killed that scene, like the absolute horror mm-hmm. in Philip's face. And obviously, he doesn't have any resentment for Tadeo. Like he's still there to comfort him because clearly Tadeo was manipulated. Yeah, and so that's why, like he can sit there and hold Tadeo while feeling the horror of like what his father, what they and his father have done. And that's, I mean, it's it's just, it's a really powerful like shot. Um, and I just, it's, it's a big dang moment. Big dang. I got so if you. We go back to the last season, season five, when Naomi and Philip first get to interact, we see that, um, Philip's armor and that connection with um, his father starts getting chipped away and it starts to fracture. And we see every event that um, Marco walks away from is now chipping even further away, um, standing up on the podium at series and then abandoning them so easily. And this is the, the final straw. This is the one that solidifies Philip, I think. And we're going to eventually see something destructive between his father and him. They're going to have a blowout or a breakup or, or something. It, it's just so evident now that Philip is no longer in support of his father, sitting there um, holding and, and trying to support, sorry, what's his name? I want to say Tadeo. Yeah. yeah. In that cell, you can see the anger in his face. Yeah. And... To to talk about, not that I love talking about Marco, but to talk about Marco, there was a line that he had in the very beginning that I kind of thought was very interesting um, based on things that we've talked about in the past. So when he's like whining about uh, Iapetus or however they pronounce it on the show, um, I, I've already forgotten. I know it was a little different. Um, but he says, you know, they're calling it my war. And Roosevelt says, just one station, an insignificant one at that. And this this is the line that got me. So Marco says, one is all it takes to sow doubt. It, and uh, it reminded me of a line in season one, episode two, when Holden sends out the message and he says, it just needs to reach one ship, mm-hmm. one station, then it'll spread. I just, like, I don't know if it's intentional, but, like, the parallels from season one to season two and like how Holden came into prominence and how Marco is like in prominence and just absolutely fascinating. But that line in particular just literally took me right back. I sat there and I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard this before. Um, Cause it, it, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. If, if the, like the rebellious sentiment gets to more stations, especially if like he's abandoning series, <laughs> Yeah. He's looking at his approval rating, like watching it tick down. Um, you know, the more he turns his back on the belt, the more he is going to lose support. And he is turning his back on the belt. That's what we see him doing, like hiding supplies everywhere, running for Medina so that they can control the ring space. Like he's not thinking about the belt anymore. He's thinking about what's beyond it. And that's exactly what he's accused the inners of doing. So it's like people are obviously going to stop supporting him if doing the thing that he's supposed to be fighting against. Um, and so I, I just I, I love that, that he's losing sight of this bigger picture in two ways. He's losing the bigger goal of the Free Navy. And he's also losing what the initial proposal the what the free navy was supposed to be quote unquote um well so i find that like really interesting it's very interesting that you mentioned that because um he's like marco is frustrated about uh the waning support for the free navy and he blames drummer for it but i don't really think he realizes that he needs to look at himself in the mirror and be like i might have caused some of this 
Oh, but yeah. He's so quick to like blame everybody else. Um, and it, I mean, Rosenfeld, sorry, Ro Rosenfeld um, tries to keep him focused. But I also think she, she knows that he's kind of screwing it up for everybody. And she's the one mm -hmm. that needs to keep his head on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. All right. Anything else about the Pella? All right. So let's get to Series Station. All right. So the UNN and MCRN command learn of the failed attack on the ring space. The six rail guns of Martian design but unknown metals have been built around the station, giving 360-degree firing range to free navy that would allow marco to control the space the rings and the colonies indefinitely uh, the military wants to abandon series to attack the space before marco gets there but avasarello wants to find a better strategy first clarissa and holden discuss new armor plating on the rossi made through a research of the protomolecule and amos disappearing onto series <clears throat> onto series well naomi gets a report on the ring data from lv that reveals holden was right about the disappearing ships Drummer brings Marco stolen supplies to Ceres to help with the crisis and faces resistance from the inner military command, but Avasarela intervenes in hopes they could meet. Drummer is more concerned with helping her people and getting help from Joseph, uh, whose arm isn't growing back right and will have to be removed completely in favor of a prosthetic. She even leaves Naomi's request to see her unanswered. Holden brings his concern about the rings to Avasarella, and she reveals she wants him to help her bring Drummer into the fleet. Amos and Bobby share a drink, maybe a bed, where Amos reveals he isn't sure he belongs on the Rossi anymore until Bobby reminds him all that matters in fighting is his people. Michio tells Drummer she will be staying on series to help Joseph uh, so they won't uh, hold her back. When she returns to the DeWalt, Naomi is there. After an awkward catch-up, they argue over the fact that Naomi is there on behalf of Holden and Avasarela to ask for her help in the fight. But she convinces her that they have to fight beside uh, those they love. Avasarela and Drummer meet on the docks, and they form an alliance. There was a lot going on in Series Station in this one. <laughs> yeah, like, they're really uh, starting to bring together all the characters so it kind of makes it kind of makes summarizing plot lines really fun doesn't it <laughs> i don't know if you guys have seen how <laughs> how i made the notes for our next episode but like it makes things very difficult when everyone's together mm -hmm. to make show notes <laughs> so um but there yeah there's like a lot of lot of good stuff a lot of bad stuff like we get to see that that reaction to uh, the rail guns in the ring space. Uh, they're made from unknown metals, which obviously we know it's because they're a gift from Duarte. Uh, so they're made by some magical, uh, not magical, but like some special Laconian metal boys. Um, so we have all that going on. Um, we've got everybody kind of doing their own thing like everybody's kind of got their why we fight storyline going on um which yeah. is really interesting so let's break it down like so we have the unn and mcrn wanting to attack the ring space um mm. they understand what the 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 idea of the six rail guns um, of Martian design and it's really interesting because the military wants to attack Ceres sorry to abandon Ceres and attack the space before Marco gets there and I think they would be making the same mistake that uh, was done by Carino if they went in without a proper strategy and plan mm -hmm. which is what Avasarala brings and it's really interesting because she's taken a military role in a way um, as the seasons progress um, so it's good that she's able to hold off because then this allows for like in the end um for drummer and her to build an alliance and have more numbers um to be able to defeat marco mm -hmm. um and then 
I mean, the other big things that occur, the interactions between drummer, her family, and Naomi, and then um, <laughs> I love the interaction between um, Amos and Bobby. I thought that was both very insightful about the way that Amos is feeling, but also interesting in just the dynamic between both Bobby and Amos together. So I guess I, the section I guess I wanted to thought was really interesting was, um, I mean, first of all, this relationship between Clarissa and Holden is really interesting in general, but like this conversation between them is super, super interesting. Cause you have these two people whose lives for different reasons were completely derailed by the proto molecule. Um, Clarissa, because it's her dad and he did a lot of bad things. And, um, Holden, I mean, I don't really have to explain how the proto-molecule changed Holden's life. But now we have this thing where, like, wow, something about the proto-molecule can be used for good? And I really like having, like, we have this conversation about the complicated implications of that, like, how they should feel about that. Um, and then, of, of course, I love Holden just, like, where the heck is Amos? Well, having a good time, obviously. All he talked about wanting to do on series was noodles, bars, and brothels. So mm -hmm. he's just living his best life. But I, I just really thought that conversation was interesting. Amos right now is going through um, some conflict, some internal conflict, <laughs> and he doesn't know just some. if he should remain on the Rossi because of it. Um, the idea of fighting without killing the enemy just seemed um, at odds with his personality, of course. Um, so he needs to work through it. And luckily he has Bobby and Bobby helps him through it and um, gives him a little something as reward uh, for doing so. So I think he had a really good time. So obviously he came back. I mean, he was covered in glitter. Uh, glitter. He was scratched up. Mm -hmm. He had lipstick. lipstick on him. <laughs> I mean, was he having a good time though? Because he didn't look like... like. Oh, he had a good time. <laughs> he, he had said... a good he, a, he said he, he would be time. done when either the booze or the sex was done. So, yep. I mean. <laughs> the, uh, so, I, uh, I don't know if I told you, but I decided to, um, instead of reading book nine, um, mm -hmm. go back to book six. Yeah, we had that combo on the episode. I just listened to it when I was editing, actually. So, yeah, I did decide to go through book six. So, I'm most mm -hmm. of the way through and literally just went through the scene uh, recently. And in, in the the book um he couldn't sleep mm -hmm. so that's why he had to go sort this out mm -hmm. so a little bit different um obviously it that you'd have to read it to see what's different about it but mm -hmm. um yeah it, it's yeah. not identical but um yeah he he works it out in different ways i really liked their back and forth um where, you know, Amos is, says, uh, sometimes it feels like he's trying to get us killed. Then a couple times he saves the human race, so I guess it balances out. Uh, not a man who does things by degrees. War is the wrong place for good men. And then when after they go back and forth a little while longer, when Bobby finally says to him, in the end, the only thing that matters is fighting for who's covering your, ba your, your flank. Sorry, I wrote both words for some reason. Uh, doesn't matter if they're assholes or saints. They watch your back and you watch theirs or you've got nothing. Um, so like this whole conflict of like, you know, do you follow someone who who keeps trying to get you personally killed just because they're a good person? Uh, or do you like, you know, go and, you know, fight for someone who's like actually fighting to win? But in the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why they're fighting. They're your people. And you got to stick with them. And I mean, we hear that brought up again with Naomi and Drummer later, which obviously we're going to talk about because that's a whole that's a whole thing. Um, but the idea of like, it's not about like why you're in the fight. It's about who you're in the fight with. Mm -hmm. And for Amos, that's always been like his thing. He doesn't care why Holden and Naomi do things, but he's with Holden and Naomi and he trusts their judgment. So he just goes along with what they're doing because he knows they're good people. But now his idea of good is kind of crossing over with like, 
well, isn't the good thing to win the war? He doesn't, he under, he, he knows that obviously like Holden is trying to protect Naomi's son, but he thinks the war should trump that. So he's like, well, isn't fighting the war, winning the war, the good thing? Isn't that what we were supposed to be doing? So well, he has this conflict here. I, I think it's also just the fact that Amos can remove himself from a situation mm-hmm. and take the emotions aside, whereas a lot of the people that he's surrounded with can't do that. Yeah. Um, Holden is very emotional in the way that he does things. Like Naomi, yeah, she can try to take herself away from it, but the repercussions of that is that she suffers in the long run. Um, and and that's not something that Amos is understanding of so when there is a breach of trust within the Rossi which we've seen several times but the the most current one is like Holden um not being honest about what happened with the Pella um and him sabotaging the missiles um it does put a wrench on everything because Amos relies on that trust, relies on that camaraderie, and it's not there, um, or he feels like it's not there because it, things were not disclosed to him. And I think that if things would have been explained to him at some point, I think he would have been a little bit better. But it just makes him question, like, what the hell is the actual point like are we just going in there and like we're going to get killed because we're not going to be choosing sides or are we actually going to focus on the mission and get this guy killed Uh, and that's his biggest issue so we also have uh going on during all of this um holden and avasarala both have very different intentions in meeting um so Holden's all like, hey, you know what we should do? We should we should tell Marco about about the rings. He's just being Holden. Uh like we we should because we should work together. This is a very bad thing. And, and Avisaral is just like not having it, number one. Um but she she brought him there, uh, not because she wanted to know what was going on with the rings, but she wanted him to help her pull drummer into the fold. But I, I really liked this whole um, this conflict here. I'm trying to remember what I wrote it down somewhere. What Avasarala said to Holden when he was like, "Hey, uh, we we should we should tell Marco." Um, oh, James, you're truly one of a kind. <laughs> was was made me laugh quite a bit. Um, but specifically, I, I liked her line to him: uh, "We cannot have the luxury of worrying about the future until we end this war." Because, I mean, it's true. Like, he's worrying about the bigger picture, but there is no bigger picture if they can't be Marco, which is why she wanted to talk to him about bringing Drummer into the fold. Because Drummer has guns and ships, and so the balance shifts. Uh, that's my Hamilton reference for the day. You're welcome, everyone. So, uh, she wants his help because the Belters don't trust her. And she knows that. Um, but if she can win the trust of Holden and the trust of specifically Drummer through Holden, there's a chance she could bring the belt into the MCR or parts of the belt into the MCRN UNN combined fleet to help take down Marco so that they can worry about the future. Yeah. Everybody looks at Fred. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just trying to like, where do I go from here? And I think what I, I want to talk about next is um, the scene with Drummer. Um, Drummer has gone through so much over the course of the last few seasons, and it's coming to that point where um, she's about to lose her entire family. Mm-hmm. And Joseph has lost his arm, and they're, she's already tried to exile um michio and and now joseph's injured he won't be coming back um understandably but she just has gone through so much and it all kind of comes to a head when she meets with naomi Mm. and you you just see it uh, when she finally breaks down this is this is a this is gonna be a whole conversation (laughs) 
Well, it's really interesting that when um, Michio is ready to tell Drummer that they're going to be staying in series, like she stands up mm-hmm. and she's right eye to eye with her. She's not at, like she's not the mouse that keeps on cowarding anymore. Like she knows what she wants. She knows what's best. And you know what? Like she can't continue following Drummer. Um, and I think that's a very, very strong moment for her. Um, and again, it's another loss for Drummer. Uh, like, she has gone through so much during this whole entire series. Mm. There's, like, this this specific moment that I like when they're in the series hospital where um, the doctor kind of references that he's kind of getting pulled around and told who to focus on um, by these demanding inners. But for Drummer and her family, he'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, And that's because she's now become someone people look to because she brought these supplies to series. She's now somebody that people are going to trust um, or at least are going to find a better leader than Marco who took things from them and abandoned them. So now you see her becoming like this person that people look to. And she has been that in the past, but in a different sense. Like, now you have, not that she's a captain or anything, it's the fact that she's, like, um, what, like, she's bringing relief supplies. Like, it's not just that she's, she's hope. She's not just leadership, she's hope now. And before, we've seen her in leadership roles, where people, like, yeah, look to her for guidance and, and motivation. But now we have that she's not through fighting, not through pride, but through... Like, not generosity isn't the word I'm looking for either. I'm trying to think of the right word. But because she's brought to the belt, because she's brought supplies, because she's come here to help, now they see her as a different kind of hope. Like, she's the leader we can get behind because not only will she fight for us, but she will provide for us. And that's a pretty big deal. So I think the problem, though, is that people had their faith in Drummer back when she was still the matriarch of her family mm-hmm. and now she's not she has mm-hmm. transitioned into something else yeah and she's not come to terms with who that new person is mm-hmm. she's had to sacrifice too much to become that person and that might be the new drummer's undoing yeah she so also hopefully she very... could find that back is all i'm trying to get to mm-hmm I mean, she makes it very clear to Avicerala that she didn't even have any intention of staying. Her whole thing was to drop off the supplies, get help for Joseph, go back into the fight. So, I mean, when she has this conversation with Michio, she has she's still planning on leaving, but now she's leaving on her own. Um, but obviously that gets that gets derailed <laughs> uh, when Naomi shows up at her house. Yeah. Um, which, boy, was that a conversation? Very, um, very intense. Very intense. Um, kind of a lot of unsaid stuff came out in this one. Um, I mean, first of all, as soon as, as soon as Naomi says that Holden asked her to come talk to her, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> like, he, you should have just left that name at home, baby. Yeah. Not have brought that man up because Drummer has a lot of feelings about that man. Um, but. I there there was like this one exchange where I was like, especially having seen like, you know, the extra short from the first episode, Uncle Walla, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I mean, we already knew drummers still had feelings for Naomi, but this one kind of like really hammered it home. But there was this line that really like took my breath away a little bit um, where drummer says to her, you know, you come to me running errands for the inners. It's not like that, and you know it. How do you do it? Do what? Work with them. Live with them. Pick their side over your own over and over again. And honestly, as soon as she said that, I was like, wow, the uh, the love them is really unspoken in that sentence, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was, when she said pick their side, I totally thought she was going to go that direction. I was like, I mean, she wouldn't be wrong. Uh, but damn, it's it's totally there because like, you know, Naomi's and Naomi does say this or like, I pick my own side. Mm-hmm. I despise Marco, everything he's done. And she's always been like that. That's been her motivation since season three. Like 
she picks who to align herself with. She aligned herself back with the OPA after saying she would never go back because the OPA was different. But when she saw the rumblings of what Marco was in Drummer and on the Behemoth, she was like, oh, no, this is not the side I want to be on. I want to be back on the Rocinante. And she picks her own side. She picks her own side time and time again. It's never about the people who are on that side, necessarily the people who are on that side. It's not necessarily, you know, you get the vibe that Drummer, mostly in season three, I don't think so much anymore now, but I think it's kind of implied. You get the vibe that Drummer thinks she's choosing Holden over her people, but it's not about Holden. It's never been about Holden. It's about what the Rasanante represents to Naomi. And that's not inners, that's family. So obviously, you know, Naomi sees it a lot differently than people she aligns herself with would. Because it's not about the people on the side. It's about what that side represents. And mm-hmm. the Rasanante represents fighting more for what is right as opposed to a side. Um, which comes up in a later conversation that we can't get into yet. But the Rasinante has is usually on the outside of things, fighting for what is the perceived right. And that's what Naomi chooses, to fight for what's right, not to fight for a side, because sometimes the side is wrong. So she's, you know, she's tried to explain this to Drummer again and again. And the last time they had a conversation about it, Drummer kind of was mean to her to her face yeah so there's only so many times you can explain i think drummer has realized that but that doesn't mean drummer is going to take like not that i think drummer understands but when again naomi brings up the forbidden name it all comes rushing back and so all that hurt comes out in more anger and not insults but harsh words And Naomi just has to remind her again, like, I don't choose sides. I pick my own side. And because of what Marco did to me. And she's always stuck to that. And even when Drummer says this universe has no place for me, Naomi wants to be able to find that for her. Mm -hmm. To find that side for her, her own side. But right now, in the middle of the war, it is impossible. So she just begs her to fight fight with the people she loves, which is a little... It was sweet. It was sweet. But I was like, Naomi, maybe not the best way to put it, which is how Drummer obviously feels, too, because she starts cursing her out. But, like, she she's well, understands that she's right. She, not in a mean way. Yeah, not in a mean yeah way. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, she she's very emotional. Because she yeah. knows that Naomi's right. Yeah. And she knows that Naomi knows how she feels about her. And not that Naomi's using that against her, but Naomi's reminding her that sometimes that's how you choose your side. Is by fighting with the people you love. And that's why, I mean, obviously it's a sweet moment when Drummer breaks down and just starts cursing her out. I can't say what she said. Um, I'll write, uh, I could say F you, you self-righteous S. And it just keeps repeating F you. Like we've all been there, but like they hug, they hold each other. And so it definitely isn't a mean spirited. She realized, she knows Naomi's right. And she knows that's how Naomi chose her side. Like she sees it now. And it's a beautiful moment. I did laugh a little bit when I was like, oh, she's cursing her out. There's drummer. There's my girl. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really great scene. It's really good. It is. And it shows the, the continuous vulnerability that drummer tries to hide. Um, mm-hmm. She always tries to be the strong one, the one that supports the family. And again, she she doesn't have anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. And even though she might not have agreed with the way that Naomi thought of things, she recognizes that it was never about choosing one or the other. It was about like her building her own family. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Naomi is able to do that, and like sorry if drummer is able to do that then naomi should be able to do that regardless of who she chooses Mm i i will say i i forgot the whole beginning of the conversation because i was so excited to talk about the end but dang drummer was really ready to go when naomi Mm -hmm. showed up they were like that whole um you blame me for all of that i did what i did the fault was mine we 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 all lost a great deal some more than others i was like guys stop (laughs) 
stop. I can't please. wait. Just, just kiss. Just kiss. <laughs> just, it would be better if you didn't fight. Just let me just shove you together. Let me just. Because I'm sitting there like, I was like, oh boy, like the feelings are really coming out. And like, obviously, drummer doesn't mean things the way she means them, but they come off very much like she means them that way. And they, you know, drummer's idea of like what Naomi lost might be different from what Naomi feels she lost, things like that, like everything. And, you know, Naomi lost a, a great deal, a great deal. But don't deal. forget, she just gave up her entire family. Right. Oh, and but then, she's, yeah. She's taking that hurt out yeah, on Naomi. Yeah, on Naomi, yeah. which is something she's done to Naomi quite a few times. Um, which, you know, it, Naomi doesn't really respond well to that either when people take out their frustrations about something else on her. Because we've seen that happen. Like, obviously, Marco has done it to her. Mm-hmm. Holden has done it to her in the past. Um, and obviously, he's pulled back from that. You don't really see him do that anymore. Um, so, like, she doesn't respond well to that. So, like, when Drummer starts kind of lashing out from her place of hurt, Naomi starts lashing out from her place of hurt, and it's all just a big, please stop, I'm fragile, I cannot take this, you guys. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was, because uh, obviously, you know, Naomi, or Drummer is going to see, she lost someone for making sure Naomi didn't lose someone. So obviously there's going, there might be some bitterness there and you can't blame drummer for that. Um, even though she does say like, I made my choices, the fault is mine. She might still harbor a little bit of resentment. You can't blame her for that yeah. because she did lose. She lost more than surge by protecting the Rasenante by protecting Holden. She lost Oksana and yeah. Bertold. She lost both of them, all three of them. And now because of her own choices this time, completely not having to do with Holden at all, because of trying to do what she needs to do to save the belt, now she's losing Joseph and Michio. Possibly, like she could come back to them, but if she dies in war, if anything happens, they don't know. So she feels she's lost everything, half of what she lost because of who, again, perceived because of Holden and Naomi. And then the other half because of Marco and her choices. So she's just like a big melting pot of upset feelings. And they're all valid. I mean, this would not be a bad time for Daniel and Ty to write Oksana's return. I'm saying! (laughs) Like, that would have fit really nicely in here uh, Mm -hmm. to give Drummer some support. As like she's cussing out Naomi, Oksana walks in. (laughs) That, I feel like that would be worse, though, because Oksana <laughs> was the one who was upset about the the lingering feelings for Naomi in the yep. first place. So she's the one who didn't tell her Naomi was alive because she was jealous of Naomi. So let's let's be careful now. It might have gone worse. Well, if they replace Naomi with Oksana. I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. I got you. I got you. Like, if Avasarala is like, wait, I found someone better to convince uh drummer oh, exactly. than, than Holden. Yeah. yeah. Sends, finds Oksana somewhere and sends her in. She'll get her for me. Um, but yeah, that scene was very emotional. Obviously, <laughs> there's still a whole whole another episode to go. So like the emotions are just gonna keep coming back to pow, pow, punch it in the face. Keep on going, yes. But we can talk about something more exciting. We can talk about the alliance. Mm-hmm. That scene was epic. I love the fact that Vasarala says, like, oh, this is symbolism. And then Drummer's <laughs> like, is this all it is to you? Just symbolism? I like that she shuts that down. Yeah. Because that's not what Drummer's thinking. Like, you're either mm-hmm. in it for the good reason or you can just leave because I, I, she's not taking part of it. Yeah. She's still, even though she just had, like, an emotional moment with Naomi, like, mm-hmm. she's still that hard ass that she has always been. So there's this interesting exchange and I think you guys will figure out where I'm going with it, but I'm going to, so they have this exchange when the last shot is fired and Marco is dead. Will you remember us? Will you remember the belters who bled for your victory? All I can do is promise. I will. I've given your people many reasons to hate me, but none to think I'm a liar. Belters fighting alongside inners against belters. Never thought I'd live to see that. Neither did I. It reminded me a lot of a war early in American history in which 
the uh, the powers that had colonized the North America, the French and the English, allied with Native Americans to fight this war. And after all the wars were done, revolution, all that, you think there's going to be peace because they were your allies. What did the English do? It just reminded me very much of conversations that we've read about in history where, you know, the, the concern of the, the one power that their alliance will not be remembered past the war yeah. because there, it has been seen in history where we had these alliances and then we turned around and like the, the settlers of America turned around and wiped out the Native Americans, even though they were allies mm -hmm. yep. because they, it was inconvenient. It was inconvenient and you, they wanted their land. So now you have the same, you have a similar situation here. And the fact that Kara G gets to act this out is, is great. And she's had a lot of moments like this that kind of harken back to, um, what has happened to Native Americans in history and First Nation peoples in history and indigenous people in general. But here we are again, somebody who is subjugated, has been involved in the subjugation of these peoples. And she's being asked, after the war is done, after we finish this fight, will you remember that we fought with you and stand with us in our own struggles or Remember, put us, bring us a seat at the table. Will you involve us instead of just killing us? And, you know, Avasarala has grown a lot and she's going to, we know she's going to do what she can, but it's a valid question from the OPA and from drummer's standpoint based on their history, their shared history. And it's great that that's included because it's true. It's a valid question to ask before you shake hands with an inner to go kill a bunch of belters. Will you remember the belt? And it, we will find out, I guess, eventually, if that, if that is going to happen, if that part of the bargain will be upheld. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just a really interesting back and forth. And I, I, I will say this. I also loved Monica up in the, in the rafters watching everything happen. Yeah. Yep. Like watching history in the making. No, I, I really enjoyed that interaction and it, it drummer right now is putting her faith on this alliance that again, she will not be once again backstabbed or betrayed. Um, so the fact that she has agreed to this means a lot. Yeah. All right. Anything else when it comes to series? Lots of, maybe that's the drama. That is a lot of drama. <laughs> All right, and finally, Laconia. So Kara falls asleep in the clearing after asking the dogs to help fix her brother. She wakes to find Zahn's body gone and hears her parents searching for her. After making sure they're not heading towards the clearing, she returns to find the dogs. Uh, she returns and finds the dogs have brought Zan back, but he is different. Kara hugs him, um, and she is happy that he's fixed. Um, so again, pretty self-explanatory. Um, she, as a true scientist would do, she saw that an experiment work and she tried it on a bigger uh, corpse and uh, voila, <laughs> baby brother's alive. Et voila. Yeah, this is a, huh, this is a big deal. Uh, so yeah, those good, good boys and girls uh, help fix her brother and he's a little weird. Um, yeah. Then when he goes, I've never seen that before. And she turns around, there's nothing there. I was like, ah, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? Yep. He's so weird. He's a little bit scary and different, but she loves him all the same. Mm -hmm. Those eyes, I think, is what really, Ooh. really throws it off. Yeah, he's got the spooky eyes. I'm trying to find a... Uh if I wrote anything fun down about this one, cause it was a little spooky boy. Um, yeah, he says, I, uh, so this was, this was, uh, the one line I thought was interesting. Uh, John, John Zahn, whatever, however they pronounce it, I keep forgetting says, I remember I was scared. I could hear voices, but I couldn't see anyone. What does it mean to be in substrate? 
then you know she shrugs and he goes everything looks different and then they never saw that before and i was like who's uh whose voices could you hear buddy like was that afterlife voices or like was this pre-consciousness voices like man this bringing this kid back to life brings up more questions than it does answers it really does no you bring up some really good points because i just went straight to it was the builders voices Mm. like just like uh miller and Mm -hmm. and all that because it's like he's being repaired by the proto molecule Mm -hmm. so no yeah good point maybe it was afterlife like because he also says i couldn't see anyone so it kind of like it makes you wonder like on on the surface level you think it could be like that place of unconsciousness that you hear about like you can hear people but you can't see them but then with all the other weirdness going on you wonder did he hear voices or did he hear voices like yeah the kid is spooky spooky he doesn't need her yeah, he doesn't either. So I guess, I, I guess mean, that's an upgrade. There's there's one episode left. Anything can happen. Yeah, right? he could he could eat her next week. Who knows? We we yeah. don't know. <laughs> we'll find out next week. Yeah. All right. Anything else when it comes to this episode? So if that is all. Oh oh, we got oh, they got opinions. Yep. They. Oh, they and the cats do too. They did not like <laughs> those those dogs definitely it was the dogs hello everyone it's editing shannon here with some listener responses i also wanted to let you guys know a week early that for our finale episode we ran super long uh a little over two hours maybe not even a little definitely over two hours so we will be releasing that finale episode in two parts but on the same day So don't worry, you won't have to wait an extra week to hear our thoughts on the finale. We will be releasing both of our, you know, episodes about the finale on the same day. But that way you don't have to sit down and listen to an over two hour slog if that's not for you. Uh, We also will be recording our season six roundup very, very soon. So look out for that. We'll be tweeting, asking for your thoughts. Um, so that we can add that to the episode or we'll ask, you know, some other questions that we can hear from you, or we'll even make it a separate episode to hear from you guys. Uh, but you might only be hearing my voice because as you know, Andrea and Fred are kind of on a clock. (laughs) We also got a listener email from Robert Collier, Collier. I'm not sure which, but my brain obviously went Collier. I did take two semesters of French. Um, So I can't read the full feedback of the email due to book spoilers. As you guys know, we don't really uh, talk about any specifics further than where we are in the book that the current season is is based on. Uh, But we did get an email about a listener response that I read last week uh, where someone said they were excited about seeing Santiago. Santiago, uh, because I didn't watch this with the x-ray on, I should point out because I was watching it with fellow fans, um, was the name of one of the kids in the room, and he's significant in the books. Uh, that's all I'm going to say to that. Can't say much more. But, uh, yeah, so I, I apologize if the person whose response I read listened uh, and, you know, had something to say about that. Again, I wasn't really paying attention to the x-rays, um, and that seems more of a, a little throwaway for book readers which uh, is great but we we try not to focus too much on future book stuff uh, when a lot of our listeners are show watchers so thank you Robert for emailing to clear that up I really appreciate it and thank you for being a listener so now I'm going to get into reading some of the responses we got uh, based on last week's episode so as you guys know I reached out to see what you guys thought of last week's episode for read out Um, And I got some responses I'm going to be reading today. Sorry, I'm fighting with a cat, as per usual. Uh, So the (laughs) first response I have here is from Will Oyebeltalota Urkuhart, or Urku Will on Twitter. 
who said, Gah, so much to love from that last episode. Flipping the commonly held ideas of weakness had to be my favorite. Shooting Michio's compassion, showing Michio's compassion, doesn't get in the way of her bravery or with Holden's story where not reaching for violence is heroic, courageous, and harder. Yes, me too. Uh, as you guys know, I absolutely love that this show portrays that sometimes the absence of violence is just as strong and difficult as choosing violence. And a lot of times fandom, you know, will praise characters for their badassery. And sometimes badassery isn't in waving a gun or punching a face. It's in choosing to step back and not do those things. And that's why I love those characters like Naomi, Michio, Holden, who try not to uh, use violence when they can. So that's pretty great. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Putri Frazier, P-T-R-F-R-S on Twitter, said, I love Amos and Bobby singing together. Hey, that's as close as we'll get to a musical episode, eh? P.S. In the battle of singing, Bobby wins hands down. Yes, this is the closest we're going to get to a musical episode. And obviously, I agree. Frankie's an angel. Voice of an angel can do no wrong. Jason, P-1-L-0-T underscore J-4-S-O-N, pilot J... Uh, S-0-N, oh my god, I had it right the first time I recorded this, or pilot Jason with numbers, said, as shocking as it was, seeing Michio just leap into action when Joseph's arm was pinned, holy shoot, yep, 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 Ugh. I don't like to think about it, uh, Star Trek scamionist Zach Cody on Twitter said, I still don't see how they're going to wrap it up in only two more episodes. Interested to see what your thoughts are now that you've seen episode five and there's only one episode left. Uh, I'm not saying anything or giving you my opinion just yet. Anthony Quayeri, and feel free to correct me on that. Quayeri or Tony Q Tampa said, I'm looking forward to Bobby confronting Holden about disarming the missile. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Kara does with her brother's body on Laconia. Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all a little concerned what that child is going to do with her, her brother's dead body? Uh, and Alex Felix, Alex Felix 42, said, The whole scene with Monica showing the footage of Owen the Belter with his cat was one of my favorites. The way the show uses the Belter Creole has always been fantastic. And then I'm looking forward to seeing how the Martian strike on Medina goes. So lots and lots going on. But yeah, I agree. I really appreciate that scene. That arc in the book is one of my favorites, uh, how a character decides to do a video project to make it more difficult, not to make it more difficult, but to make it less comfortable for people to just be willy nilly killing people. And I'm glad that it made it in in some way, shape or fashion. So. That's that. And now you know how the Martian strike went. So again, thank you guys so much for sending in your feedback uh, or your responses to the episode. We really appreciate it. We know we only have so much time left with you guys doing these sorts of things. So we really treasure, you know, having this opportunity uh, and having you guys as our listeners. So thank you so, so, so much. So I've given it some thought. And I think actually what we may do is release part one on the day the episode drops and then release part two a couple days later so that I have time to get some answers from you guys of what you thought of the finale. And I am making this call on my own because I just thought of it as I was recording this um, little edition. So be sure uh, to look out for that tweet. Uh, asking you guys what you think of the finale. I'm very excited to, you know, share our finale thoughts with you and kind of get a sense of what you thought. And then we're going to get your thoughts uh, from the season overall as well when we get ready to do our uh, or to release our season six roundup. Because, uh, as you know, we have to pre-record them. Andrew and Fred are on a clock. So we'll, we'll make sure we make that addition. And you'll be hearing again from me real soon. Thank you so much again for listening. And now to the credits. Thank you so much for listening. And now to the outro. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you 
you found things that we didn't discuss or you agreed or disagreed with our analysis, you can find us online, email us at typebeam@randomchatter.com, or you can um, message us on Twitter at the typebeam um, or myself at catsbears, that's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me and my sister's screaming cat almost anywhere at Shankbeezy. And Fred? You can find me on Twitter at FreddyWanKenobi. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And you can also find our show, The Type B, on RandomChatter.com, um, where we don't just talk about the type beam, but we have different shows for different um, pleasures that you might have. There he goes again. You can right. help us, like like Hendricks back there, you can help us spread the word. You can leave reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we did finally start posting on YouTube, waiting for that second episode to go up as we record. So you can go ahead and take a listen over there and leave a comment, what have you. Uh, you can share us on social media. We share all of our episodes um, when as they release on Twitter. So you can retweet it, like it, you know, quote tweet it and talk about what you liked about the episode. Uh, you can also uh, tell, just tell your friends about us, right? Just like if they like The Expanse, they might like our, our conversations. I like our conversations. So it's easy for me to go like, yeah, listen to our podcast. But like... It's great to have other people say that. So, like, just tell your friends about us if they like The Expanse and have them give us a shot. And some final housekeeping things of the episode. All the music that you hear is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller and the Silly as the Sentence Sounds. All trademarks are owned by the respective owners. So thank you for listening, and remember the can't. Remember the can't.